0: Debra's home was stolen. No, I don't mean thieves stole stuff. I mean scammers literally stole her home. The FBI calls title theft one of the fastest-growing white-collar crimes. And this story is why you need home title lock. Debra says criminals found the title to our home online and filed fraudulent documents claiming they owned our home. Wait, it gets worse. Debra goes on to say... I was evicted from my own home and 85 grand in equity gone. Nobody believes you can get your home stolen this easily. This is why you need Home Title Lock because no insurance or bank protects your home from title theft. First things first, go to HometitleLock.com and register your address to see if your home's title has been tampered with. You need to protect the legal title to your home so you don't end up like Deborah. Go to HomeTitleLock.com now for 60 risk-free days of protection. Again, that's HomeTitleLock.com HomeTitleLock.com
1: I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum.
0: Standing up and speaking out,
2: here's Hal Sparks. So, okay, can we start the show by stopping something? Can we start the show by... Letting everybody know that uh, there was never going to be a vote that allowed witnesses in the Republican from the Republican side in the Senate. It was not going to happen. Um, We have been put in an awkward situation with uh, this president and the ilk around him and the kind of shifting loyalties that go on within his circle to somehow buy into that's a good way to plan your day and it frankly is not um since john mccain died as died with him uh was the the ability for any individual to buck this president period end of story there is no democrat you know that are you know that has control over the Senate floor enough to m- force people to face what they're going to, to uh There is no way they will convince these Republicans that somehow their legacy or something else matters more than whatever compromise someone has on them, or frankly, their genuine belief, wait for it, their genuine belief that what Donald Trump is doing is good for all the lip flapping. And for all the, well, I think it's terrible the tweeting, but I don't know if that's, you know, the kind of, you know, all of that. Um, I'm just going to land on the side of, I believe you based on who you vote for. And what you allow to happen in that regard. I'm just going to go there. And especially with the Republicans, there is nothing that points to any evidence that I can see that any of these folks ever had a legitimate belief that even the ones that voted for witnesses, there was I do not believe that they actually thought that vote would go through. So it was a safe, null vote, which, uh, by the way, um, to any senators that ever hear this in the history of humankind from this point forward none of us are impressed by the one outstanding vote thing doesn't do us any good. I mean, and especially if you're voting present, forget it. So um, the idea that somehow they were going to save us is ridiculous. And we have found ourselves as Democrats in this zone of three or four times over the last couple of years, um, relying on on you know traditional Republicans in terms of like Robert Mueller, um, which I I have no reason. No, I'm just saying this is the the spectrum from the most reasonable, you know, where we're putting our faith in a in a lifelong Republican to sa- to save us to literally hoping John Bolton rides in on a horse and saves us, or or that Lev Parnas is being genuine, or that any of these folks will suddenly have a change of heart. It's an absurdity. Stop doing it. You're setting yourself up for failure. Just know going in, they're in the tank for this dude till the bitter end. And there's two reasons why they could be in the tank for him. One is they're protecting their seat. This is one you will hear most often that they are vulnerable Republicans and that they genuinely um, need Trump supporters to stay in office. And therefore, they are making a Machiavellian um, uh, calculation that guarantees they will maintain their seat and they'll, you know, maybe they can be the voice of reason, this whole like adult in the room stuff. Um, I call BS. I was never a big believer in this concept, but I do not believe it at all now. I believe that each one of these people from Susan Collins to Mitt Romney, they all want what Trump wants. They may not like how he gets it, but they want what he is planning. They, you know, to, with, with varying degrees, but with very little, uh, um, there's, there's, they may whine about it, but in reality, that's what they're hoping ha- happens. That that's really what I think is going on. Um, by the way, seven seven three seven six three nine two seven eight 763 9278 is our number. We're live on WCPD Radio. We're also streaming across Facebook and Twitter and uh, YouTube at infotainmentwars.com. Join us over there. Join in the conversation if you would like. Uh, become a Patreon subscriber, patreon.com slash Sparks. Support the show. Uh, did I do everything? Buy merch. There's a link below. All that stuff. I did it. Okay, good. Now, <clears throat> why would there never be any witnesses? Now. Here's here's my opinion. The one upside of them never allowing witnesses is that Trump cannot claim exoneration in any normal room for the rest of his life. That even if he succeeds and gets reelected and in his dotages, he's fading into the great beyond out of office when he goes exonerated uh, in the middle of a room randomly everyone will roll their eyes. Because you can't rig the jury guarantee you won't get convicted and then claim that it proves you're innocent period. End of story. So why though, the timing though, what, you know, what was it that, you know, cause some of them were hedging and they were thinking maybe we'll allow it. And may, you know, and I personally think, and I've mentioned this before that the strategy should have been allow for witnesses, limit the scope of what they can say. Um, everybody's, gonna vote the way they vote they were gonna vote before the the entire thing even started and at the end he can say well we had witnesses and we threw documents and they still found me innocent and then if sorry that but he's not doing that they're not having witnesses they're not allowing the documents and uh apparently this is a very alex anti-alex jones uh wars we have the documents um gay frogs so why the timing of it why um why at least Lisa Murkowski, because she could have been another safe vote, for example. Why? Why would she not at least go for the the the, the propaganda vote? Well, on the off chance that there there, there might have been somebody outside the vote whip that they couldn't count on. And we find out today. Um, or late last night, technically, that. Um, uh The I guess uh, a trove of documents have been ordered by a judge to be released. They're not going to make it into the Senate, but everybody else is going to get to see them. This is from uh, CNN Politics. Trump administration reveals it's blocking dozens of emails about Ukraine aid freeze, including the president's role. Department of Justice revealed in a court filing Friday that it has two dozen emails related to Donald Trump's involvement in the withholding of millions in security assistance to Ukraine. A disclosure that came just hours after the Senate voted against subpoenaing, addition, subpoenaing that's a fun word to say in a hurry, uh, additional documents and witnesses in Trump's impeachment trial, paving the way for his acquittal. The filing released near midnight Friday. What, a, what a, the, the timing? Who would have thought? Um, marks the first official acknowledgement from the Trump administration that emails about the president's thinking related to the aid exist and that he was directly involved in asking about and deciding on the aid, wait for it, as early as June. The administration is still blocking those emails from the public and has successfully kept them from Congress. A lawyer from the Office of Management and Budget wrote to the court that 24 emails Between June and September 2019 include, quote, an internal discussion among DOD officials called, quote, POTUS follow up on June 24th. And they should stay confidential because the emails describe communications by either the president, the vice president or the president's immediate advisors regarding presidential decision making about the scope, duration and purpose of the hold on the military assistance of Ukraine. So this folks in the DOD are just releasing this without releasing it, you know. Guys, we can't tell people what's in this because what's in this, I mean, a it goes back to June 24th, which means he was lying about it by at least a month uh, when he was involved in this part of it. And when he made a decision about holding it back all the while, by the way, uh, Rudy Giuliani was um, flying back and forth to Ukraine and and telling them in person what the president wanted. So he could, you know, whisper around the edges in this conspiracy. Uh, Trump's decision to withhold $400 million in USA to Ukraine uh, as he pressed the country to investigate Hunter Biden and Joe Biden, his potential 2020 gener- uh, general election revival. OK, CNN. Guys, I got to tell you again, they didn't push for an investigation. The the aid was pivoted on an announcement. Not an investigation. Rudy had been over there conducting an investigation for months and found Nothing. And, and talked to everybody and sidled up to Victor Shulkin, who uh, was, a you know, is a Russian sock puppet who was working in there who got fired. The guy that Biden bragged about firing because the entire U.S. government thought this guy should go. And he's the one who got it done. OK, so. Um, Senate on Friday defeated an attempt to subpoena documents and witnesses. Yes, we know this, which could have revealed more about the actions of Trump and the officials closest to him related to Ukraine. Senate leadership on Wednesday plans to hold a final vote to acquit Trump. I love how they're just not even saying it anymore. Um, They're just going to hold an acquittal vote on Wednesday. So are are we all going to gather around, get some popcorn, watch the acquittal? We'll be back. It's the the Housewives Radio Program, Mega Worldwide. And the podcast from this show... You don't have time for all this nonsense. Uh, It can be found on the sexyliberal.com website and wherever else you find your podcast. The Howl Sparks Radio podcast, Mega Worldwide. We'll be back. Picture your face in the mirror. You see all those wrinkles around your eyes? How about crow's feet or large under eye bags? Well, imagine they're gone. And I'm not talking about some risky, expensive surgery. Just gone in minutes. It's called Plexiderm, a clinically studied serum that visibly eliminates your wrinkles, crow's feet, and under eye bags in minute. It's it's the edge you're looking for. Simply put, you'll be blown away by the results. Plexiderm can give you the confidence you'll need to be yourself out at work or with friends. The best part is Plexiderm goes on clear so nobody knows you're using it, unless of course you tell them, which is sort of bragging. Go to tryplexiderm.com and use my code SEXYLIBERAL for 50% off plus an additional $10 off, that's right, 50% off plus an extra $10 off. This offer is also available by calling 1-800-685-1292 and mentioning code SEXYLIBERAL. Plexiderm is backed by a 30-day money-back guarantee. Visit TriPlexiderm.com today and use the code SEXYLIBERAL at checkout. That's TriPlexiderm.com.
0: Now let's get back to Hal Sparks Radio program Mega Worldwide.
2: So we, uh, we have two callers right out of the gate, so I want to get them before I, we, we start stacking near the end, because I have no doubt, because of the contentious nature of some of the stories I'm going to be talking about, um, that we will we'll get packed with trolls near the end of the show. That's uh, my guess. Uh, who do we have, David? First, we have Dave on Glenn Allen.
1: Cool. Hey,
2: Dave. Welcome.
1: Hey, Hal. I just had a brief comment. I just wanted to make a general comment. I, I think the Democratic Party needs to change the way that it goes about its business. I think that the way we're pushing back against people like Trump and McConnell is not working in certain segments of our society. Um, okay. um, you can't fight clean with somebody like that. I know from a personal experience in my life that a person like that it's just not working. And I just wondered what you thought.
2: Um, well here's the thing. I my and st- my strategy has always been when dealing with uh, Trump or some of the hardcores that are around him when you're discussing them in public is to be aware of the people that you are talking to that is just passed to them. The person who isn't 100 percent all in the person who isn't bought into the entire Trump thing. But there are elements that they see as successful or elements that they see as uh, solving problems that they think no one else has dealt with. And so they're lining up behind him because he's the meanest dog pulling the sled, but it's not that they're all in on him. And if you automatically attach them morally to him in in your vilification and how you talk about him, um, they will take personal offense to it and entrench their beliefs. There was a big study I, I'm not,
1: that— I'm not so much talking about um, Trump supporters as I am Trump himself and the way that you— would present yourself in like a, maybe not an argument, but a discussion or a debate with him, you have to be
2: forceful and strong and push back. I just... Yeah, no, no, I I agree. I mean, you can't, like, I don't don't think most are, uh, you know, are playing kind of the ropes with him much these days, um, you know, anymore. I mean, there certainly was the strategy in the beginning. I think there's, I think the normalcy factor happens more in media with Donald Trump in that they... Present what he's doing as normal and as if it's in line with past norms, which is the you know, it, it that's the in an attempt to seem balanced in their you know, and to their readers, which is a very difficult line to walk. I don't envy them for that. I do think, as you know, most of, if not all of the Democrats who are running for president, for example, push back very hard about him, have talked distinctly about um his failures as a leader as uh, his moral failures his uh weakness of character all that kind of stuff and i i think the big lesson is mockery i think you have to mock this man um make fun of him and hold on to your sense of humor that's kind of what
1: i'm saying i mean you gotta get a little dirty when you fight somebody like this you can't I don't.
2: I wouldn't call that. I wouldn't call that dirty. I would just. Yeah. I would just say, especially if you keep your humor about you, um, that's that's the way you stay out of the dirt. Just tossing uh, expletives and vitriol won't solve it. Um, but but yeah, like you have to. You know, this is a game of, of yard snaps to some degree, and there are what you do is you hold firm about say comedy in the Senate and behavior on the House floor, for example. Everywhere uh, out here with us rabble, we can say whatever we want. And anybody who's not, who's running for office, especially who isn't a senator or or a sitting congressperson, I think has even more of a a role to play in in chipping away at this perceived strength of Donald Trump, because that's really what this is about. This is really about pulling back the curtain on this kind of Wizard of Oz character and showing m- how uh, ultimately weak he is both morally, mentally, and intellectually. And well, I and think I
1: think that. there I, is... He covers it up with the bluster and the bullying and the name-calling and fake bravado.
2: Yeah, and, and there's also a problem that the Democrats have that in our inclusiveness... With other people um, calling him out on some of his weaknesses, it, it, classism, or what have you, like I, in the you know in the generalized belief that everybody should have a voice, that's that gives rise to people like Donald Trump, and it is the true way that things have to be. The question is is if his voice is like that, then people like me, especially who I find great pleasure in pushing back in the way that you're talking about. Have a, a sort of an, an exceedingly important role. You know, there's an old quote that um, a silly song did more to bring down King George than did all the protestations of the bishops. Was the idea that it was people, you know, in the, in the beer houses, sort of, uh, or the, I guess it was England, so in the ale houses, um, singing songs about how the king was weak and, and foolish that ultimately brought him down versus the, you know, this idea that the Senate will take care of us, the, you know, the, our elected whole uh, office holders will handle this. I say to everybody, get your wits about you and and start up the mockery machine. And if anybody pushes back against you on the internet and you you know, and, and attacks and all that kind of stuff, I, literally you have to start letting it go whole, like it, It is meaningless. I posted this thing yesterday that half the army that comes to protect Donald Trump is not genuine. Um, And and Kim in our chat room says, I think mocking a president is so disrespectful and juvenile. How old are you? Um, I live in a democracy. I have the right to mock my leaders. I have the right to use satire and and sarcasm uh, to push back against things that I don't think are genuine, I don't mock the office of the presidency, I don't mock the system of government that we have because I have tremendous respect for that. But if you think oh, that had, he gets, to, yeah, he gets to do I've whatever he wants without had, being called out for it, forget it. Go ahead.
1: I've had the opportunity um listening to. Um, oh man, my mind was blank. He's on the in the middle of the day here. Um, Tom Hartman. And over the years, yeah. I've heard um, recordings of FDR's speeches and some of the things that he said and the way he approached it and the force and the strength that he projected in a classy way. But you could feel the power and the, and, 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 and the, and the truth coming out of him, and he was not afraid to speak up and, and speak out. And I want to see I, that kind yeah. of strength enforced again. That's what I, I guess. That's what I'm getting at.
2: Well, you're talking about the the very appeal that Donald Trump has to his own voters. That that's what they were clamoring for to some degree. And there and and I think you know, I mean, there's a lot of trends in the in the social norms of America and the rest of the Western world that have contributed to this kind of uh, idea. I mean, you can trace it pretty evenly back to um, the. The kind of grandfatherly attitude of Ronald Reagan, the have a beer with him kind of attitude that you have with um, with Bush too. That people have this idea that um, we're getting uh, the the president himself is becoming more of a it became a parental figure, um, not a leadership figure, but a parental figure, and then a, a like a brother-in-law, and then it's like. You know your rich uncle or something. There's this is weird kind of idea that that's the behavior we should sus- we should expect from them because on a personal level you want to feel that this person gets you. That's been a big sales point because that's how news operates. They take um, material news and they make it uh, personal to try and get you interested um and and i think what that does a lot of times by the way is take a genuine news story which has meaning and makes it anecdotal and worthless um the same thing has happened to some degree to the presidency in that um that, that you know i i see in the president and what i want a president is what i call the dignified manager um who has some you know genuine capability and in a crisis makes a moral decision i'm in line with the idea that I I can share their pain or know they know where I come from is sort of absurd to me um, because I've never seen a president in office who reflected my upbringing or I mean, in any measure. So I could never trust that that was true. So uh, uh, to me, they have a role to fill and can they do it and should they live up to that? And I think you're absolutely right in that regard. We have to we're at the break, but I appreciate you calling in. And it's an important discussion to have, uh, certainly with the, uh, the food fight going on this weekend. We'll be back right after this. It's the House Parks Radio Program Mega Worldwide.
0: Deborah's home was stolen. Now, I don't mean thieves stole stuff. I mean, scammers literally stole her home. The FBI calls title theft one of the fastest growing white collar crimes and this story is why you need home title lock. Deborah says criminals found the title to our home online and filed fraudulent documents claiming they owned our home. Wait, it gets worse. Deborah goes on to say I was evicted from my own home and 85 grand in equity gone. Nobody believes you can get your home stolen this easily. This is why you need Home Title Lock because no insurance or bank protects your home from title theft. First things first, go to HomeTitleLock.com and register your address to see if your home's title has been tampered with. You need to protect the legal title to your home so you don't end up like Deborah. Go to HomeTitleLock.com now for sixty risk-free days of protection. Again, that's HomeTitleLock.com. Home Title Lock.
2: Welcome back to the show so um i think we have another caller let me get them real quick and then um i'll get into this who do, do we, what they dropped oh that'll happen and when you push back on some of this stuff um there you know there is a tendency by the way um the there's a i, I guess across the board there's this belief that um that mocking the president is mocking all the people who voted for him that if you denigrate him because of his actions since he's been elected that somehow you are saying that everybody who voted for him is on board with that i don't think that i don't think that for a second um i i definitely think that they are counting on him continuing certain policies and i think there are a bunch of people who went as many judges as he can get in the rest of it can be fixed later um and and there's a, a ton of pushback across the board where people are, um, you know, driving this whole argument based on the idea that um, he's got his personal issues. But what he's doing for the country is, you know, we've never done before when much of it has been. That's the part that kind of drives me crazy. in a lot of this is that he's him he will often do things like this. How how long did it take to get this done when it, in fact, was either started under the Obama administration or even the Bush administration in some cases? And all he did was re up it. He thinks and he thinks he invented it. Thank you. Um, So that's the you know, that's the running thing with this, is that if you're going to say he's making America great again and you're 100 percent behind him and all that kind of stuff, you have every right to do so. but. Understand that a good portion of what uh, of the successes he claims are things that were already in place. All of the wall he has, quote unquote, built in this time have been um, are simply refurbished parts of the wall. The new design that they put together started falling over because they didn't put a a functional drainage system into it. Now they are going to have to put storm drains on Trump's wall, his his. Chosen form is slat fence so that uh, at the base of them that will have to be open for months out of the year. Uh, and this is this is why you uh, and, you know, voted for a construction magnate, why you voted for somebody who could, you know, a Builder. A, you know, a, a billionaire who made his money building great things, right? That's the theory. And the design he settled on out of the four that they have started to put in place as replacement for a bunch of the slat, you know, the slat fence he's putting in is re- to replace old parts of the wall that were already there. Don't have drainage ventilation and are falling over. If you guys didn't see the the f- pictures uh that were all over social media this week of of the wall leaning um so there you go let's see and uh <laughs> yeah a lot of people actually saw that this week um uh, and, and so the overall there's there's no shortage of news going on. Life continues. And this has been my kind of argument for why I think the normalcy boat has more weight than people think it does. <clears throat> in in that life doesn't need any help being difficult. Um, and mm. there will always be national security challenges, environmental challenges, um, tectonic Plates moving, floods, hurricanes, tornadoes, um, illnesses like the coronavirus—those kind of things. Life is full of enough of those without creating your uh, your your own version of the problems. And Trump's kind of ongoing tweeting and and this desire to kind of start fights where there need be none is an integral part of that. Now, um, one of the in our in our in our chat room someone uh did point out alleged billionaire this is true um now there's beyond the thing that came up um this week the the trump administration during the impeachment trial while all eyes have been on that um one of the things that um trump did this week was he made it um legal he he lifted the U.S. restrictions on landmines again, for example. Um, something no one was clamoring for. And one of the areas where they said it, it was a you know obviously a reversal of an Obama policy. Um, people had been trying for ages to get rid of landmines. Um get basically get us out of the mass-produced IED business. Um, and uh the region that they are going to put it in um the white house made a statement that um you know that this is to protect our troops the region reason that they're they're putting it in is at the 49th parallel along the korean border now the landmine aspect of the korean border we're not, let's talk like in afghanistan in iraq you could make a tactical argument for why you would want uh, Landmines in certain areas. Uh, uh, people have used them there for decades, um, for hundreds of years. Technically, um, a, over a hundred years. Yeah, just one hundred and ten, something like that. Anyways, um, throughout certain military regions, basically because a push was coming or enemy soldiers were coming, and so you surround military forces with them, and that's that's been their traditional use. Their mainline use at the uh in in the, at the north and south korean border would really only affect these days defectors from north korea i mean that, that that's the ultimate end to uh all these people we've seen running away from north korea that the you know the very bold people trying to escape uh into south korea one of the ways you stop that is you put more landmines, you put you put the landmines back down. That'll that'll put an end to that. And that's for the benefit of whom? Certainly not the escaping North Koreans, certainly not the South Koreans who would run to help them. Hmm. So then the you know, the next story is that under the the radar, Trump expands the um, travel restrictions. Um, that are associated with his ban um, to a bunch of other countries, including Eritrea and Nigeria. And um, there are a lot of reasons to restrict uh, entry from countries where their passports are easily forged. And this is the reasoning, by the way, that they're using their passports are easily forged. Um, you can never tell if the person holding the passport is legit, those kind of things. But that would stop people who are both visiting, um, that would stop people from who, uh, you know, were part of business delegations. That would be a blanket ban on everybody from that country because you just can't tell who's who based on the legitimacy of their passports. But it's not. It's only applying to people who uh, intend on being long term residents, which just makes it feel like a racist broom. You can come over here, and make some money or spend some money and go back home. You can come over here um, and become a citizen. But if you're it, but if you're seeking a long term visa, you're just hanging out. We think you're a crook. Beat it. That's what that is. And it's applying to a bunch of different countries. Eritrea, um, the the country at the top of the list, the reason they added that is because there's been um, there is a functioning slave trade in Eritrea right now that is. Playing on, you know, uh, refugees who are trying to escape into Europe and other places, using them, you know, as uh, as you know, conscripted workers, slavery, um, in in a way to pay for passage. It's like an entire country has turned into the coyotes, uh, you know, the the transporters who bring people across from Mexico and force them to be, uh, you know, drug mules or what have you. There's, I mean, but all this stuff, you know seated in this is this idea that you know these these are things that the average trump voter might want and definitely stuff that the Senate Republicans would like to see happen but they want to have their cake and eat it too they get to pretend that they don't want landmines reintroduced they can pretend that they don't want to limit immigration from uh specifically the largest black country in the world. Um, they can pretend they don't want that um, while going, well, I don't dis- I don't agree with Howie, the behavior, and I wish he'd stop tweeting, that kind of pushback. And then ultimately you find that they're okay with these things as they go through. So there you go. Um, that in and of itself has been going on under this whole arc of and, and and the coronavirus as well, by the way, uh, the death toll has doubled in the last 24 hours. I think it's 256 now. If the number is to be believed, that's always an issue. Um, the infection rate is arcing higher and faster than SARS is. Um, the question is, will we have a version of herd immunity with this disease or will we not? Um, that's what we have with the flu. Um, that's what slows it down over time. So. In terms of its danger level, um, wash your hands, clean common surfaces, sneeze into your elbow. Uh, and, and I recommend limiting your travel to any country that has, has an outbreak of it going on, which I don't think you have much of a choice right now because of the State Department, I think, is limiting uh, travel um, to and from China right now i was supposed to be there a little inside baseball i was supposed to be in china about a month and a half ago but we had a, a like travel snafu and and couldn't arrange the shoot so uh lucky me honestly um we got to take a break we'll be back right after this Seven seven three seven six three nine two seven eight 763 9278 is our number
1: Walk out of me before, before. Was being some Video streaming at houseparks.com. I don't care for you about the pupish sludge like you're trowling out.
0: Us Facebook, MStick. True
2: Progressive Talk. Might be a good time for you guys to give up. So uh, again, our I started uh the last hour um talking about how one of the problems that Democrats have currently is the fact that we are relying too much on people that Um, we would otherwise despise. Um, And especially, for God's sake, the John Boltons of the world, the idea that there's going to be some sort of salvation found in a person like John Bolton is insane. That's like using an anaconda as a flotation device. (laughs) It's like your plane goes down in the Everglades and you're like, I'll just cling to this alligator until help arrives. Um, There is a uh, New York Times is reporting um, stuff from the Bolton manuscript that they have because the White House is now fighting putting this thing out and they think they're going to get a protracted legal argument. Never mind the fact that they already cleared it for publication months ago. So like if If they didn't read it, it's their ass because they, you know, whatever. But the quote is Mr. Trump also repeatedly made national security decisions contrary to American interests, Mr. Bolton wrote, describing a pervasive sense of alarm among uh, top advisors and the president's choices. America third. All this is to benefit him and his family after he leaves office. This is why he clamors for, you know, for people like, Putin and Kim Jong Un, why and Erdogan? Why he thinks these guys have got it made? Because these guys, while they are sitting in office, running relatively violent, populist-leaning, anti-press campaigns, and 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 times in office, are uh, are socking away money that they are stealing from their country. They're living off the taxpayer. the tune of millions of dollars above their, uh, their salary. Trump, just the idea that, you know, Trump donates his salary is one of the stories we hear. First of all, the man's charity had to get shut down because he was using it to pay legal bills and buy paintings of himself for his properties. They can no longer operate a charity in New York. So the idea that he cares about charity is is limit, is similar to his the belief that he somehow ca- all he cares about is corruption because if he cared about corruption what is sergey lavrov doing in the white house with no note takers and translators notes being destroyed um multiple times where you, you know you're not meeting with uh Zelensky for for that matter in the white house <clears throat> now uh In the case, you know, Bolton's writing uh, describes a pervasive sense of alarm among top advisors. Um, He expressed concern to others in the administration that the president was effectively granting favors to autocratic leaders like Recep Tayyip Erdogan of Turkey and Xi Jinping of China. Putin is looking at Xi Jinping right now and going, how can I arrange that myself to be the ruler of Russia forever? I mean, he just dusted the entire Russian government under him and put in people that he can control. and he's. funneling money out. Again, Putin makes I think on I think his salary is somewhere in the order of 140,000 US a year. The man is worth 200 billion dollars. That is what Donald Trump is clamoring for. The the idea that Trump gives his you know his salary to charity is totally erased by the cost of his golf outings. His four hundred thousand dollar a year salary versus the what twenty three million we've spent um, taking him golfing as a country at his own properties, where he forces the Secret Service and all government entities to pay retail for the space that they're using. I thought the whole point of you know uh, getting a billionaire in there who doesn't need the money and who only cares about the country was that he doesn't have he doesn't need the money. Well, then why wouldn't why wouldn't he charge the Secret Service, the people who are there to save his life, the same rates they could get on Expedia? Why charge them top dollar? Well, you know what? Every and and we're talking monthly. We're talking and the and and the entire family, by the way. I know people like, uh, you know, somebody going uh, something about in the in the chat room saying, but but Air Force One for Michelle Obama to go shopping with their daughters. Okay, First of all, um, first black president's uh, wife and daughters are a military target for every group um, that wants to bring the United States down. So the president's wife, I got bad news for you. If they're going to travel someplace, they're going to do it. Um, using Air Force One or or Air Force Two or an, or another military uh, aircraft to get where they're going, and if they're going to take a vacation or they're going to go someplace, that's going to happen. That, I, that's that happens to every president, every president's wife, every single time. What doesn't happen is twenty three to thirty million dollars for golfing every year. At Properties owned by the person who is taking the tax dollars. By the way, properties that would be failing economically if not for that infusion of money. They would all, uh, the all, all the accounting numbers point to the fact that um, uh, Trump's place the place where he wanted to have the G7 meeting. And his Scottish property, for example, where he made all those pilots stay the night as they stopped when they flew through, would be underwater if not for infusions, uh, infusions of government cash. There you go. Um, and plainsmen in our—you uh, gotta love Twitch. Hi, Twitch. You guys are beautiful over there, you gamer world. I wish I got to play with you guys more often. Um, from Fast Check, the first lady, her mother and ch- uh, her mother and children. This is uh, Michelle Obama. Did stay in Europe for a private vacation after the president completed an overseas trip on official business. They were, I guess, brought back later in Air Force One. However, no tax- taxpayer money was used for the family's personal expenses. Um, and so John Hawkins's idea that it's fine for Donald Trump to go on golfing trips if the Obamas could just take a plane and go shopping in France for a day. That's not what happened. That's a That's not true. And the idea is doing it once for a day compared to um, literally funding your own properties with taxpayer money repeatedly when you do not have to. You can stay in the White House. Uh, Bush Jr. didn't charge people to stay on his ranch insofar as I know. They set up uh, like a holding facility. For the for the Secret Service people that were there and the like, but he wasn't charging them rent at the highest level in the, you know, in in three counties. So um, anyways, that is um, that's that's your closer for you. That's that's Donald Trump putting America first. So there you go. We're going to take a break. We'll be back right after this. It's the Hell Sparks radio program, Mega Worldwide on WCPD Radio, Chicago's Progressive Talk. 773 763 9278 is our number. Palm Fort. After the break.
1: Now let's get back with Hell Sparks radio
2: program, Mega Worldwide. Um, I don't. I don't think we have any callers, do we, Devin? I forgot to check with you before um, that. But oh, oh okay, got gotcha. you. All right. Well, let's grab one real quick. Um,
0: First, um, we have Steve from the Gold Coast.
2: Goldstein. Oh, hey, Steve. Welcome, oh, Steve. Good to take- hear from you.
3: Yes, yeah, thank you for taking my call. Kudos from Iowa. Well, there's a reason why nobody lives here. <laughs> heaven knows why we're having a caucus here. So. Oh right,
2: got gotcha. you. Oh, you're calling from that's uh, you're calling from the hang- hamburger phone in Iowa. Got gotcha. you. Good to know. <laughs> but yeah, uh, got <laughs>
3: Uh, but beyond that, I mean, in response to a previous caller, uh, I mean, it was open for all we're winning. We promised all of these wins. Uh, I mean, on the international front, I mean, are we better off in terms of uh, our stance with Korea, North Korea? Certainly not. I mean, we had a functional yep. agreement with Iran. Instead, we're a almost uh, a de facto war point with the, with the um, where are we winning on, on that front? That's, that's supposed to be the realm of the president. That's supposed to be his territory, no, not that of Congress or, or the Supreme Court. This is where he's supposed to shine. So, where are we shining in terms of the international community as compared to where we were under President Obama? And beyond that, as you rightfully point out, I mean, you know, for a party that constantly yelled about deficits and the national debt, I mean, this is a booming economy. Why in heaven's name do we have a national debt? And, and a deficit, the kind of which we are seeing today. I mean, if that's the case, uh, and that means that for the for the foreseeable future, we will always have a huge national deficit, and that because you'll never be able to pay it off, because it's going to be high when economic times aren't very good, and it's going to be just as bad, if not worse, in, in boom times, because that's where we are, according to all economic metrics. Of the day.
2: So right. You, well, there's definitely there's to, definitely part of the the, the rolling debt idea um, has been you know part of uh, sort of the American business model for a very long time. And it's no surprise that it kind of snuck into government the same way in that you you're you, obviously a back in the day when like house mortgages sh- shifted to the point where um, you could get a lot more house if you just paid the house over a longer period of time. Once that shift happened, that became a normal practice for Americans. The idea of um, borrowing money to run the government grew much bigger, too. There were these, you know, in in the times of kings of old, they would borrow money from other countries, but if they, they had two options, they could pay it back in one lump sum whenever that person demanded it, and that usually meant stealing it directly from their own citizenry immediately. Um, or, They could kill the other king and pretend it didn't exist, which is sort of what they're trying with borrowing from the Social Security uh, trust fund. Um, But I do believe I do believe as an economy we can pay down that debt um, over time, but we need a like. You have to deal with it in many ways. The way you deal with long-term climate solutions versus the short-term ones. There are short-term ones where you can buy back certain bonds that that where the yield is too high and and the interest rate will you know cost more over time. Basically, in a way, refinancing some of the debt, and then you, well, you know yeah, you can you, re, you, re, you can
3: restructure the debt absolutely. Not, right and and set, setting aside the validity of the argument, I think it's a valid one. You know, uh, it, it's an act of hypocrisy on the part of the right who claims that, you know, this is untenable. You know, they're not talking about, uh, you know, your know, No, they don't care they anymore. They've always claimed, like, you know, Well, they've, they've claimed that when, when a Democrat is conveniently in office and, and Democrats are in the House and the, and the Senate and the majority, then it's a huge problem. It's an unsustainable, uh, you know, paradigm, and, you know, we've got to do something about it. it's going to bring down our country, you know, which is a lot of right. nonsense. But, you know, when a re- re- Republican is in office, then, you know, we just need to forget about it. And also, and, and to segue, uh, you know, Donald Trump, you know, our, his Republican advisors, you know, he, he had to face the fact last year, you know, we need mm-hmm. to sort of turn, turn off the spigot, you know, sort of end this liquidity, uh, this huge influx of liquidity that we were generating into the system in order to prop up the economy after the collapse of 2008. And as soon as that happened, yeah, you saw a slowdown. And in the wake of that slowdown, Donald Trump said, oh, my God, no, we can't have that. We can't have a slowdown with me as president. You so don't need to open up the spigot again, at least until I'm reelected. And, and, right. and that's where we are today. So, in other words, all, all of the philosophies that underpin the economic policies of the Republican Party, you know, they decide to throw those out the window or just to have amnesia with regard to those policies you know, until Donald Trump is reelected. And then uh, perhaps, uh, you know, they'll begin to address it or they'll wait for a Democrat to come in. And then they can blame them for a deficit.
2: Well, and there is no successor to the Donald Donald Trump legacy. That's the other thing that they're afraid of. That's why this next four years is so important for a lot of Republicans, too, because there is no direct transition. There is there are no charismatics on the, uh, you know, on the brow of the hill in waiting to ride in and fill that gap in the emotional holes in Trump supporters hearts. You know what right. I mean? There, and there's that, and that, no one, and that's what Mitch Mitt Romney's that, not going to do that. Certainly not Mike Pence. This idea that like when he gets, if, if Trump got removed from office or resigned that idea that we would still quote unquote have Pence, I've always, um, fall, I've always fallen apart because Pence does not excite the base never will. Right. he will serve a right, purpose. Right. He's even less interesting than, you know, any number of, uh, you know, pick pick your milquetoast politician. Right.
3: And that's a that's a very important point to make, because there, there are adults in the Republican Party still who recognize that there is no uh, sort of legacy that Donald Trump can leave be behind that someone else can pick up. They, they realize that it's going to call for a fundamental reset of the Republican Party. They're going to have to start from ground zero building up their party again and trying to create a candidate that's in the mainstream uh, that will that'll, that'll allow them to, re,
2: to come, come back. I don't, to I, yeah, I don't, 10, 12, I don't see them, the I don't see them doing that. I, I, honest to God, I don't see them doing that. I, I feel like they have entrenched themselves in the barn burner attitude. There is enough of a rebellious, uh, tear it all down streak in the, in the American electorate right now, which, in, you know, from, from the Bernie side to the to the MAGA hat folks, all the way across the board, there is a this idea that th- throw the bums out, burn it all down, start from scratch. The whole system is destroyed, and and I I believe that's a cartoonish way of looking at things, and in, and fundamentally immature. But that's why you're But that's why you're seeing
3: on the Democratic side. In, in, you know, this battle that goes on between the Bernieites and the people who want sort of the milk toast Joe Biden to do, well, the return to normalism. Now, the question mm-hmm. that's, that's on the Democratic side. Now, the question is, oh, where are the Republicans? Because I don't see a Joe Biden alternative to Donald Trump on their side. That there isn't one. No. And that's that's them. that's why
2: a lot of them are looking to, um, you know, why they were hedging towards Biden, why why the Delaney's of the world could stick in as long as they did, you know, was this idea that there would be this kind of like normalizing factor for a while. Like I'll hold my nose and vote Democrat. Like I bumped over, you know, this fluctuating um, ruse of independence that goes on with a section of certain voters where like, I'm not really the two parties aren't my, you know, that storyline that they tell themselves, yet they vote almost lock, stock and barrel with the same party every time while, while, you know, undergoing that, uh, the illusion of independence, there, there is absolutely a part, uh, a group of those um, that went from being Obama voters to being Trump voters and will go back to somebody else. If they feel like the, the ship won't capsize that that's what they're looking for. And, and that's a, and that you're going to see a lot of, you're going to see a lot of persuasion factor on that group because Here's the difference between that group and the rest of the independents or non-voting crowd out there, or even the youth vote for that matter, is that they are inconsistent, but they consistently vote. That group, that cored independent crowd, is the, is is sort of the 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 strongest, I guess, uh, challenge. I'll, I'll be generous to electoral strength by either party. Um, is there sort of vacillation on this?
3: And keep in mind that you know, it, it's also a function of, of where you stand relative to popularity and approval ratings. I mean, Donald Trump is about 42%, 41% in terms of overall approval rating in this country. And he just squeaked by with 77,000 votes across three states that gave him the, the, the election in 2016. And since then, he has lost a significant amount of support. So you cannot, you yeah. know, in a booming economy no. like this, Dude, your numbers should be well into the fifties. That's the 50s. what I
2: said last week, Steve. That's I said that on Twitter. Oh, okay. I was like, "Do you know how awful you have to be as a exactly. human being to have a stock market like this and and have the disapproval numbers that he has?" You know, any exactly. anybody. And here's the thing: when when Obama was in office. The the jobs numbers turning around, the stock market tripling, all that stuff. The president has nothing to do with it. That's business, business individualism. Americans make that happen on the ground. Government doesn't help at all. The best they can do is get out of the way. And then Donald Trump gets in. It's his stock market. It's his unemployment rate, by the way, and the unemployment rate was fake. When Obama was in, as it turned around, now right, it's, so real. it's real. Today. Even Sean Spicer right, exactly. joked about that at the podium. Like they right, totally the believe that, the president, right, the yeah, right. drives the
3: the, yeah. The, the the old adage of you know, you know, being born on third base and acting like you, you hit a home run. That, that's what happened to Donald Trump when you walk in right. to an economy that's already booming and then claim that you hit a home run. No, the, the economy was at third base heading for home, and you're going to claim that you're responsible for a home run. You totally not responsible for.
2: And the arc of it has been going up. Like, look at look at the economic arc. Look at the unemployment numbers. Uh, all of it is all but steady, even post 2008. And there's a huge right. conversation going on. I'm sure you're aware of it, Steve, um, if, if you pay attention to such things. that even the economics uh, theory that's going on on Wall Street and in other areas is that we may be beyond the era of boom and bust simply because. The boom and bust economic concept was built on a, 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 a market and a population of, of about three billion people. That those ideas, those economic ideas were founded in a world where half the human beings that exist now existed. And now that there's this many people in the world... And that many mouths to feed and that much, you know, that those that many clothes uh, to wear and that many houses to live in and cars to drive, all those kind of things. That the the factor of a country with 330 million people producing product never technically has to dip unless it is sabotaged. And arguably the, the, the tech bubble was that. And certainly 2008 was that. That these were not naturally occurring recessions or whatever. These were bad. Act- this was a bank robbery. This is as if we were all counting on being able to take out our money out of a bank one day. And unlike in you know the crash in the 30s um, where people went to the bank and because the system was failing, there was no money in the banks. 2008 was much more like you went to the bank to get your uh, to to get cash out and it had just been robbed and there was no money in it. It wasn't because the system had failed. It was because there was a robbery. Credit default swaps, leveraging, you know, stacked real estate deals were the cause of the 2008 crash. We got to take a break, Steve. I appreciate you calling. Um, We're all going to chip in and get you a better phone one day. I swear to God, we're going to we need a Skype number or something. We'll figure it out. You're awesome. I appreciate the call. We'll be back right after this.
0: Welcome back to the Hal Sparks Radio Program, Mega Worldwide. It's now time for the happy ending. Yay! Hi, everybody. This 378
2: is- people in the chat room uh, operating around. Give it a thumbs up, folks. Uh, and if you don't, if you hate me and hate everything I say, give me a thumbs down, too, because engagement counts no matter which direction. So even the thumbs downs help me. Matter of fact, right now, if you haven't given me a thumbs down and you want to give me a thumbs down, if, in fact, um, you uh, you wish uh, you could not wear pants on uh, the bus when when you're riding around the city. Just so I know from the thumbs down who you are. Um, Okay, so uh, we got two more callers. Let's grab them uh, by the end of the hour. Uh, It's been caller heavy today, and it's kind of nice. Who do we have, Devin?
0: First, we have Ed out in Aurora.
2: Cool. Hey, Ed. Welcome. Go ahead. Ed, you there? Do we have Ed? Hello? Wilbur? Ed, are you there? I hear you. I hear somebody. Is he on hold? Is he waiting? Is he... Okay, I'll, we'll put Ed back on hold and we'll take whoever else was after Ed and see if we'll, we'll get back to you, Ed. All right, next we have his delay. From, yeah. Jeremy out in New Jersey. Cool. Hey, Jeremy.
1: Hi. Hi, go ahead. Hi. Uh, did, Hello. Uh, did, you hear, did you hear that Donald Trump's star was destroyed?
2: Sorry, say that again?
1: Did you hear that Donald Trump's star was destroyed?
2: His what was destroyed? Donald Trump's star. His star was destroyed.
1: Yeah, Donald Trump's star was destroyed on the Hollywood Walk of Fame.
2: Oh yeah, people. Uh, it uh, they've had that happen a couple of times. Yeah. Yeah, they replaced it and then uh, they moved it. I
1: knew that.
2: Yes, uh, I heard that. That was uh, like a year ago. Oh. And, and okay. but what's your thoughts on it? You have thoughts on that?
1: Other than no, I, no, I just, wanted, just wanted to tell you
2: that. Okay, appreciate it. Thank you. All right, thanks for the call. We'll try and get Ed back on. Um, Ed, are you there? Do we have Ed? Oh, okay, we lost Ed. Sorry. The ghost of Ed. So sad. All right, well, that's all right. um So, and uh, in the post show, we're going to be talking about a bunch of stuff. I have a correction to make. Already in one episode, I don't, you know, some shows will go back later and make corrections. You know, Rachel's pretty good at it, I think. Um, I've even seen the Young Turks do it in a video they don't post. They just let sit and don't tweet out. You know, if they make a mistake, they'll they'll apologize and then bury the video under a thousand other videos and not draw any attention to it. Um not me. No, even in the very same show if I make a mistake, I'll try and do my best to correct it. I said uh 23 million dollars uh a year was the cost of Donald Trump's uh golf outings. Uh I'm 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 off by a factor of 10. Um it, it it's actually, well, 340 million since he became president, um, over $110 million average a year um, that we are paying for Donald Trump to go golfing. And all of that money goes into his properties. Just be abundantly clear. Because uh, the Secret Service, government employees, all those folks, they don't get fed. On Mar-a-Lago property, because they are there to save his life, unless they bring MREs, I suppose they buy food on site or have it brought in or are catered by the Mar-a-Lago, thing, which they pay for. This and and all of his properties. Let me say this again unequivocally: would be going the way of Trump Casino if it wasn't for this infusion of cash. One of the reasons he golfs so much. Is because these properties need money. They're dumps. And after he leaves office, they'll be sold either quickly. Um, so, you know, he'll probably keep Mar a Lago and dump the rest as some sort of, you know, making it his own graceland um, or sell it to and just live someplace else. But none of them are gonna survive based on the idea that they are functioning golf resorts frequented by people of means, which is what they were initially designed for. They are running off of the government uh, teat as it were. Um, so, so sorry, I said, I apologize for saying it was only $23 million a year that we were spending on um, Trump's golf outings. I think that was the Obama number for travel entirely uh, entirely for him um uh yeah so yeah the total for obama of outings um over the course of 8 years was shy of 80 uh, million dollars which is uh less less than 10 million dollars a year over the course of it for all you they took a plane to france just to go shopping less than 80 million dollars um, uh, and Trump alone has hit, uh, Been. let's see, 120 weeks hit 200. So, um, <clears throat> let's see, go- Trump's golf, cl- uh, trips were exclusively been to his properties, um, One of the outings of 193 times that the president uh, went golfing, one was to the President's Cup, two were in Japan golfing, three um, were at Trump's Ireland course, 190 of 193 outings were at Trump's golf properties. Literally, the one President's Cup and the two in Japan were the two times he golfed where he didn't own the place. 20 uh, flights to Bedminster, New Jersey to visit Trump's course, 24 flights um, uh, to Mar-a-Lago um, over two and a half years at his current pace. Trump will visit his golf properties about three hundred and ten times. And if reelected, it'll be well over six hundred and ten, which means that Obama's eight year um, budget for outings and vacations and uh, extracurricular activities, eighty million dollars over less than 80 million dollars over eight years Donald Trump over eight years 640 million dollars if he stays in office Uh, the GAO um, says that just four of Trump's trips to Mar-a-Lago cost 13.6 million dollars a piece Um, but that does not include all of the total expenditures by government so they're not even saying the parts that the that the staff had to pay with their own money that like this this is this is an underreporting of that number. Right? Those are these are magic um uh Trump numbers. So there you go. Um they do not include certain classified cost information. Oh, so they're not even including how much it costs this the secret service to stay there, but we do know that they're paying full price. But they just don't include the number in the actual thing. Um, and they were not able to identify meals and incidental expenses, if any, that the uh, government um, employees are forced to pay at Mar-a-Lago because they can't leave while they're there working. So they are a trapped audience. It is effectively airport-level cost. Remember when, uh, I think, was it AOC that tweeted out, like, why should a bagel cost that much in the airport? Um, Besides the fact that you get a bagel from the corner store. There's like two people involved. or two groups involved, the bakery and the place selling it. If they're not one in the same place, but usually four individuals, whereas there's three levels of security going into an airport. And that's what you're paying for. The president imposes Mar-a-Lago fees on the Secret Service and everybody else who's around him, the U.S. Marshals, the FBI, uh, his advisors, everyone around him. They pay airport prices just so that they can, uh, because they can't leave. And that money goes into Donald Trump's pocket because he's a closer, because he's a billionaire who doesn't need the money. He just runs because he loves America. If you want more of that sarcasm there'll be a post show hang out afterwards if not stick to, stay tuned for dick k or go to InfotainmentWars.com and listen to the show don't forget to support the show by becoming a patreon subscriber greatly appreciate that and i will see you guys especially the patreon subscribers on for special meet and greet stuff on the sexy liberal shows if you're if you are can not just subscribe for the month you're going you have to be a subscriber it's, a, it's a, otherwise they get mad at me um but we'll talk about that in the post show take care we'll see you guys next week after the acquittal